It's time to light up a cigar and talk about business and cars. Are you ready to get the insider edge and pick up a few ideas that you can incorporate into your business today? Your host, Brandon Green, has 25 plus years in the automotive industry with 10 plus years owning his own business. Together with a diverse lineup of guests from all industries, he's asking the right questions to get you the answers you seek. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Business Card and Cigars. And I'm your host, Brandon Green. And this week, we have uh, somebody that's been a good friend and a mentor of mine for, I don't know, 10 plus years at this point, if not longer. Somebody I've looked up to in my industry for years. And uh, very honored to have Mr. Todd Ramsey, the Ramsey Consulting Group here. Those of you in the industry, you'll know that name. If not, Todd is a, uh, a person that's going to have a lot of technical info for us, but also he's uh, a good businessman and has a lot of info in all sorts of areas. So I think this is going to be a really awesome episode. So Mr. Todd Ramsey, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Brandon, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate uh, the invite and I'm looking forward to meeting your audience and talking about all the cool stuff that we experience and the cars and cigars and beer and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of everything. All right, so do you see my screen? Yes, sir. See my awesome mullet right there? Yes, sir. Yeah, so that was the article that I was trying to tell you about when I opened this. Car Audio Engineering, an American-based training firm and consulting, recently opened its doors here in Europe, Car Engineering Fitting Technology Center. Yeah, anyway, that was my hot mullet back then, man. Any of us in the 70s or 80s had a mullet at some point. I'm sure there's pictures around me. Now, granted, you got a couple of years on me, but uh, yeah, I'm sure there's pictures of me with the mullet somewhere. So this picture right here, this was the um, second car that we built in Turkey. And you could see that basically the tail end of that trunk, but that was all uh -huh. isobaric uh, loaded subwoofers, scotch distribution and all that. That was, their, oh. that was my second time over there. And we debuted that at the auto show. People were freaking out. They're like, how does that make bass? The speakers are facing each other. <laughs> I, I'm looking at the uh, the background here. It says Sony Car Audio. We got Linear Power, Kenwood, Yep, Law Punk, Yep, Yes, Osh Auto Alarm. You know, Nokia Talkman, which was hands free stuff. Because over there, like you know, the real rich guys were riding in the back of a car. Uh -huh. so even if you had a cell phone, you docked the cell phone, and then you had a handset where you could pick up the handset and just cord it and just plugged into this little kit, and you could speak privately. So that was pretty cool. See some old MECP newsletters there. That's pretty cool. Oh, wow. You know, I still have, I think it's at my other shop, still in the envelope, but I still have the the credit card size MECP certification thing, which oh, I think that would have been like your, late it was night. your ID card, yeah. Yep. I still got one of those around somewhere. Nice. So here's a couple pictures from the magazine. One of me, I was, uh, I was hot gluing a, a port that I cut. It wouldn't the depth wouldn't allow for the enclosure because it was a thin behind the seat enclosure. Uh -huh. I just, I just cut a 45 and flipped it. Right. So I'm hot gluing it together to hold enough to, so where we could fiberglass it. And I was doing that in a workshop in the UK. And this is my buddy, John, he was measured. You see the depth of that enclosure right there. Oh yeah. Like it wasn't very much so four was, inches, maybe. Yeah. He was building the enclosure. Oh, I think I got a better picture of it. Yeah. There oh, there you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> What else? Uh, they wrote a book about car stereo installation projects that were featured 
in the magazine, Carcerian Security, which is the printed mag. And so several of my projects were in there. I never got any money off that book, but I thought it was cool. Back in the day, do you remember, um, or do you, I don't know if you follow the competition thing. I didn't until probably 99, 2000. Okay. Somewhere right around there is when I well, first started my, um, following some of it. So my Turkish distributor went to, at the time they called it ECAP, the European Car Audio Press, but now it's become Emma. Okay, yeah. yep. We actually got, we, we have mutual friends over there right now. There. Yeah. This was our, my 1995 pass to the Rockford party on the, uh, on the river in France. <laughs> so we were at the ECAP finals in 1995. That was pretty cool. Paris, France. That's yeah. awesome. Real Paris, France. My loudspeaker design cookbook from, geez, a long time ago. I got to do a recertification. So mine's actually in the truck right now, but I... I don't have a fourth edition. I don't remember which one I got now. Here's some old, old ass MECP stuff. Check this out. Oh, that's awesome. Window sticker for the door. Um, the threefold brochure, a patch certified first class. This is back in first class, huh? Yeah. So I like that blue patch. I ain't gonna lie. I really like that. That's I wish cool. I I mean I may have it somewhere, but if if I find it, I'll you can have it. You know, I don't know what I'll ever do with it, but that's uh, old, that's how old school I am. That was that's what came with my certification, you know, because I when I first certified, I, I just went right to first class. Um, right. I think they let me do that based on my contributions or whatever. Yeah, that's when I first got certified. And that would have been, I don't know, 92, maybe. I think mine was 98 when I went to Florida. I went to the Installer Institute down in Florida. Yeah, that was, that was my first year. Well, I also um, spent time at the Installer Institute in 94 with Jim Boyd and um, at the time a guy named Mike, who was the instructor. Mike still might have been your instructor, but then there was another guy that came along. But yeah, they invited me out to write a story for Mobile Electronics. And, you know, I stayed in the dorms and whatever. I was there for hey, a couple, yep. couple of weeks. And um, I was teaching the kids, you know, at night, like relays and stuff like that. I was, I mean, I just, I built a great relationship with those guys. Yeah, I just talked to Jim Boyd, the founder today, you know, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, well, I know he was still there. Oh, okay. What were they building at the time? They had that uh, Ford, I think it was a ZX2, with all the tsunami stuff, because, of course, it's right there at Metro. Yeah. The connection to Metro was super valuable for them, you know. I oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was really cool to, especially if you're just getting into this, to go there and, like, there's this whole business happening all around there yeah, along with the, business, the schools. You know, because I could tell you, you know, in the early days, but I mean, now Installer Institute's a nice machine now because they figured out the certifications, the accreditations and, you know, former military or grants or, you know, whatever. So there's a lot of different ways they get students. But in the early days, you were just kind of hoping for, somebody to sign a student loan paper or buck up for the folks sending them off to school for, yep. you know, four weeks or whatever. But, but really, I mean, the Installer Institute, Mobile Dynamics, uh, and some of the other schools, the fundamentals that you would gain in that perspective, I just think the guys who went to a school reduced their learning curve in the actual install bay. Cause some of that stuff makes sense once you put your hands on cars on a regular basis. They oh lie. Yeah. They lacked um, the frequency of cars, like a real install bay, like a Best Buy or a Circuit City at the time or whatever. But but what they did do well was see you down and give you fundamentals and, you know, let you practice some of those things. Like, again, I always go back to relays, but just you're with like-minded people, you're curious, you're passionate. 
about audio, but you go like, oh man, there's so much I don't even know about all this other stuff. And I don't know, just, it wasn't for everybody. Some guys are like, I, I remember I had one student tell me at Mobile Dynamics, you, uh, I know you have a secret. You're just not telling it to me. Like, there's no secret, dude. You just got to keep practicing. If you want to lay vinyl like a pro, you got to fucking practice. That's the deal. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's always somebody that wants that easy out. It's not some special tool that I have or some, there's no secret. I mean, follow the steps I'm showing you. No, it's, it's, it's practice. You yep. Know? And I agree. Uh, my right-hand man here, Dan, Dan Castro, um, mm-hmm. he is a, uh, Dan Castro has been to a few of my parties. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, we, uh, he went, I think he was at Mobile Dynamics. And yeah, you can definitely tell, and nothing against the guys that haven't really, but you, like you said, you, you gain a little bit of extra, you get that step ahead to really get going. And at the time, that's way. really all there was other than just hard knocks on your own or yeah. hanging around a stereo shop, pushing a broom and just absorbing like that. I mean, now there's lots more opportunities to learn and like yeah. Mark Accardi Fabrication is YouTube channels pretty good and, and Dean and Fernando and just a bunch of other stuff. Like you can get yourself fairly up to speed and educated on just the, what you don't know, how you handle what you don't know and educate yourself on what to do, but you still got to put your hands on cars. You still got to like, yeah, practice. at the end of the day, it still has to be a, a hands-on yeah, process. Gotta, you still got to practice what you're what you're trying to, to learn. And that's the thing that the, yeah, I think some people call it book learning or you guys that are certified are good test takers. Not really. I just, <laughs> no, I have good, never have been. I have a good uh, understanding of the content. And, and then when I go to apply it, I apply it in a logical manner. I'm not just unplugging 18 things and trying to figure out that fixes a problem. I'm chasing one thing at one time. Yes. So, I, I, troubleshooting identify Uh, isolate eliminate i mean come on man it's the three steps it's the cornerstone it's the gospel (laughs) it is and god i wish people i'm still working on uh hell even some of my guys here like hey this is how you do it yeah and that's just a i think a time and people learn i think we have more ways for different learners to learn things but i mean be that them being in a shop is good because they have the opportunity every day to sort of go, okay, well, how do we learn from this? Sometimes a mentor or somebody needs to frame it up for them to look at this, like, Hey, I know that you've seen this car a million times, but why is it back? Like, why, why is it that we're not addressing the, what is the real problem? Let's, let's dig into it. Did you do this? Or what's the measurement between this and this? And kind of the same way I was helping people over the phone in those early days. I love the chase of a good problem in many ways. Uh, makes you stronger for, okay, wasn't it? Wow. And then I would wait the longest time before I ever came up with the, gosh, this is the first I've heard of that. I tried all this other stuff and I've just never seen this before. Usually you'd seen something before. And if you yes. asked them to start subbing in equipment or, all right, what is this brand of five and three channel amplifiers not have noise, but the four channel one does. Well, it was running a different batch and they substituted some resistors on the signal inputs. And that one is, closer to chassis ground than the isolated inputs on the other one. So it's a manufacturing problem. Box up all those amplifiers and call the company and let them know what happened, send them back. And maybe they can identify the batch that those ones were built in and know that when other people call, like if they have a serial number, yeah, we know those, you know, maybe had an issue. Oh, but it only has an issue on Pioneer Head units, not Alpine yet. Okay, well, anyway, just just be helpful. When you send stuff back to the company, you're doing them a favor because you've done the field research. 
And they're going to respect that a lot more yeah. if you oh, can yeah. give them the full information. Yes. I had this talk with uh, another industry friend of ours not very long ago, and he's was telling me he's made quite a few connections and different things just because he had a problem with something, but he didn't just send it back and bitch. What he did was he like, hey, this is a problem. This is what's going on. You know, just gave him the whole yeah. the whole information. Uh, maybe a little bit more, but I ain't going to get <laughs> too deep into that. Uh, but he he wasn't bitching. He was trying to be helpful and really made it help them be a better company. And so if people do that, I think it'd be. I've always said that, you know, the relationship with a, a manufacturer whose products you sell should be reciprocal. They should be willing to help you out. But at a certain point, if you're having issues, problems, and you want to like make sure that it's not install related or that it's a production related issue or design issue, maybe, or something that just they see coming, it's kind of, it's on you to explain or, or at least help them, you know, get pointed in the right direction because that's a true partnership. And yes. I tell you, once you do that, and I told this, I've told this to people for a long time. And of course, Brandon, you know, this, that the kind of conversation that you have when you call for help after that, is a totally elevated, different conversation. They're not kicking you to their lowest tech guy who says, did you check the ground and all that? Yes. You'd, be, you'd be able to cut through the mess real quick and talk to somebody who can help you or that you can help them or you can like work this out together. Yes, absolutely. And, and I would always say to people that were sort of, you know, maybe not on the certification bandwagon, I would talk to them and say, you should talk to a, a master certified technician and ask them what kind of conversations that they're having on the occasion they call tech support at all. Cause you know, they're pretty good problem solvers, but on the occasion they call tech support or, or engineering support or whatever, you you'll find that the conversations are more welcome. They're more elevated. They're more like, let's get, it's not, let's not each tell each other how badass we are and that you don't have enough chops to like be the other side of this conversation. There's not yeah. a lot of chest pounding in those conversations. No, it's, look, this is what I got. This is what's happened. Yeah. I've done this, this, and this. Right. And this is what I've taught my guys to do. And give them the facts. This is what we did. Hey, did you try? Oh, shit. Well, no, we didn't try that. Let's try that real quick and see what happens. Give them the information and shut the fuck up and let them help you because that's what they're there to do. But don't be a dick. <laughs> you know, I'll just, I'll say it. When you're a talented installer, those two things, shutting the fuck up and not being a dick is sometimes difficult when you're of a young age. I'm, I'm of an age now where I, I accept that, but boy, there was a time when I didn't. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm, I was that guy too. Sometimes I still am, especially put a few beers in me, but you know, it, uh, it does. It helps a lot. Um, even I'll have my guys call me and ask me for help on something or whatever, if I'm at another shop or stuff and get, start getting the whole story or this or that. and Finally, I'm like, hey, sh- shut shut up. This is the information I want. Give me this. Yeah. Do this. Go try that. Get back to me. By the way, this doesn't need to be a phone call. Send me a text. <laughs> Did yeah. it work or yeah? Yes or no? That's all I need. Yeah. So that's um, that's really a good segue into um, what do you think uh, from your perspective? Because you're you know on the ground touching cars every day. What? How do you see our industry evolving in? training, technology transfer, learning transfer, like, you know, what do you think that we're sort of headed towards so that we can present things in a concise and I want to say whole enough way, because everybody wants to consume content in small bites now, but 
Yes. Sometimes you have to have a background to get the full picture of, you know, like what I'm trying to do. That's true with sound quality. That's true with system design. That's true with troubleshooting. That's true with so many other things that I think about that often. Like, what's the best way for me to help people that are, are coming up and learning, but in a way that meets them where they are yeah. and, and, not, and not leave anything out in the process? I really think back to the basics, I think that's kind of gotten lost in the, um, over the years, you can, like you were saying earlier, you know, you can jump on YouTube and find any answer you need, Google or whatever, find any answer to anything you're doing. Well, that means a lot of people are skipping steps to not know where back in the day when like you and I, we didn't have this information. We had to fucking figure it out. Learning how to use those tools and learning how to do some of that stuff. I think that's one of the biggest ones that I see personally today and nothing against the technician stuff. It's just that they weren't taught that you don't know what you don't know, which is okay. Yeah. And and also the way that technicians come into the business now, you know, there's a a smorgasbord of parts that they can order to fit this radio or this audio system with an aftermarket, whatever Mm -hmm. in terms of interfaces, dash kits, wiring harnesses, bypass harnesses, steering wheel controls, stuff that's firmware program. Like I think, you know, for like the old guys, if you would have taken some of the old guys out of late eighties, early nineties and showed them an interface that could do a bunch of stuff, but then showed them like, you got to plug this into a USB cable and it can do, you know, go online. <laughs> It'd be like, what? That's like space. That's spaceship shit. That's futuristic. Yeah. And no, so I'm a lot out. of that we take for granted. <laughs> but if you learn that way, if that the way that you learned is, there's a product to solve that problem. Well, then your process along the way hasn't been, it's you haven't practiced your process, you know. Go back to the noise thing you were you were talking about. Everybody's always like, well, what if I throw uh, uh, an isolator on or throw this on or throw this on it or whatever? I'm like, but that's not solving the problem. That's throwing a bayonet on. What's causing the problem? Yeah. Let's figure that part out and then see what we need to do. Yeah. I mean, I see a whole lot of, well, more and more, Kind of what the automotive industry has gotten into with some of their technicians is there's a problem. We'll swap out the part. Well, no, that doesn't solve the problem because the problem's coming. Well, and for smaller retailers who hold, you know, less inventory may not have that particular item, especially if it's an expensive DSP or a big amplifier. They may not have a second one in stock. Yeah, we we do a lot of project stuff. stuff. For the big jobs, right? Yeah, that's, that's mainly what we work on. So and, and we have those issues sometimes where there's problems, you know, or something like that. And we got to get a new one in or it's try something else and get it taken care of, which sometimes you got to troubleshoot that way and move down that line. But again, you got to first identify it back to the whole, <laughs> the whole three-step process right there. You got to know where it's coming from. Got to figure out what you're dealing with, man. Oh, you know what? I should have held that up to the mic, opening this other one. Oh, that's all right. We got some more. Yeah, it's no secret that uh, Brandon and I, uh, through the Ramsey experience, but just any just just general friendship, we like to like to have a couple cocktails and chit chat and talk about the industry. And I mean, you know oh, what yeah. I appreciate about you, Brandon, is as um, generally our conversations are not about how badass we are or anything like that. It's more, you know, like just industry related stuff and how to reach more people or help out or just. Uh, I mean, just even lend an ear, man. I, I know some retailers are, 
oh man, I'm just, I just don't know. I got a guy that's working for me and I really need him, but he's just not showing up on time and smoking cigarettes and texting his girlfriend all the time. And I'm like, yep. Well, you just have to figure out if you want more pain or you want less pain. And if the if the more pain to you is to step back into the install bay for a little while until you fill that spot again, then do you get what you get? Or if you need to set an example and just let that guy go because it's not his passion, you you can't make other people that work for you or work with you in the business necessarily as passionate as, as the one holding the bag, the owner. They never will be. And yeah. that's okay. You have you know? to realize that. Yes. So what you need to do is set expectations about how you want things done. And, uh, you know, in terms of a finished product and also using your time efficiently. And I I don't want to nickel and dime how many cigarettes you had today, buddy, or how many times you looked at your phone and texted your girlfriend because you're getting work done. But if you're not getting work done, those are the first things I'm looking at. I had a a boss, (laughs) Tom Tom Johansson, competitive audio in Springfield. Um, He would come out to me. I'd use back when I was smoking. Granted, that wasn't. Smoking ciggies or? Yeah. Okay. I still got the vape thing, but gotcha. been off cigarettes a year and a half or so. Okay. Understood. Yeah. I would say that we had this little wall and we, that's where everybody would go out and hang outside and smoke or whatever. And he'd come out and he, every time he walked out, I was doing nothing. Somehow, some way, it just always worked out to where whenever he walked out his <laughs> office, I wasn't doing shit. <laughs> now I could be working my ass off every other minute of the day. It didn't matter. But he walked out and he's, we, every year or every week, we got a report. What's our proficiency and, you know, what labor, labor dollars are we doing and all this? Sure, you know, yeah. labor dollars versus labor hours billed and all that. Yeah. Sure. He told me, he's like, you're over a thing. It was a two, basically doing, you know, twice as much as. Oh, so you're 200% efficient, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. He goes, if you're over a 1.5 to two, he goes, I, you can sit and smoke all day. You figure out how to do it. I don't give a shit. He goes, you're doing the job somewhere, somehow. So have fun. And you know what? It worked. I I get in there and I'd bust my ass and get shit done. But then I'd take my five, 10 minutes and go chill out. So yeah. you got to look at all, all aspects of that. And yeah. I'm looking at that side from, from the installer side, not the owner side. Um, and from the owner side, I think you need to look at it as, look, are your guys doing the job? You have to track the numbers. You have to know what's going on. You have to, if you can't track it, then how the hell are you going to know if it's good or bad? You know, so yeah. that's definitely one thing that's that's key. I'll throw, throw that little nugget in there, which hopefully people listen to this know that. But uh, yeah. if you don't, track your shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's it's hard to fix what you, you know, you're not sure. You can't patch a, a hole in a ship if you don't know where the leak is. Mm-hmm. In terms of, you know, that's kind of a a simple way to, you know, man, boat hole's big and where's the, where's it leaking from? I know it's coming in. I just, what's, what's the worst leak? That's the one I need to fix first. So in a business, you know, so there's a lot of low hanging fruit that you can implement without having a heavy hand or ruling with an iron fist. Yeah. Um, But I, you know, I think a lot of that, if you think it through and do it well, you can build culture where people want to stay with you. I mean, obviously you have to, you know, pay them decently and all that stuff. But I, you know, and you might find this more than I do. Uh, a lot of the, uh, say, younger generation are, are newer technicians and people working in who chose to work in our industry. You know, they're not chasing it for for the money. They're interested in there. So I would rather spend time with somebody who hasn't yet learned bad habits yes. uh, and teach them 
things the right way and take some time when I see an opportunity to mentor, then, um, you know, hire some, some guy who's been around for 20 years doing shit the wrong way. And he's just, he's going to pollute my team. I mean, I'd love to have a, in a retail environment, like a 20 plus year veteran who comes in and who can hold his own, but is interested in sharing his knowledge and mentoring. But, you know, those guys are already working somewhere and getting paid well. Yes, <laughs> yes they are. As um, we know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why we're doing what we're doing, because we've been doing this a minute. And yeah, I got a, um, a resume just the other day. Guy messaged the shop and sent a resume. According to that, looking at the timeline, it's he's 19, 20 years old. Okay. Really interested in wanting to do stuff and things like that. So I'm gonna, um, I'm actually really, he had a good resume, everything. I mean, good work history for, you know, a 19, 20 year old. Right. And I'm, I'm legitimately interested because if we get, get some of these younger people to be interested in this and especially, let's face it, it's kind of hard for us older folks to uh, go and market to people like that. You can get somebody that wants to come in and post all this stuff on social media and do all this and help. I mean, that's literally free promotion and free, you know, marketing. So you can bring them yeah. in and mentor them and they get excited about it. Then you're just. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I wanted to mention, um, you know, on this uh, second podcast was that I didn't mention in the first one was that uh, of late since uh, in COVID 2020, I got um, offered the opportunity to manage this uh, program for SEMA. So it's a contract basis, but the high school vehicle build program. Yep. It's for, actually on my list. I was going to ask you about that. So perfect. Yeah. And uh, boy, that really got me out to high schools across the country. And so let me, for those who aren't familiar, explain what the program is on a basic level. So SEMA, the Specialty Equipment Market Association, who is a trade association for those car related things that are aftermarket. And when I say aftermarket, I mean, it didn't come with the car originally. So that could be engine suspension, obviously audio styling, you name it. There's, and then SEMA also puts on a huge trade show every year in November, which is the SEMA show. So some people don't realize that SEMA is, as an organization does other stuff, but yes. besides put on a show. Well, they, um, I'd been working with them on this on a consultant basis finding vehicles for them until they, you know, called and said, Hey, we, you know, we have this program that's been running. We're in our third season. The, the girl who was running it left on maternity leave and decided to stay home with her new baby. And yeah, I totally get that. And uh, like, I'm flattered that you called and yes, I'd love to do it. So what the program is, is schools apply each year season it's kind of i call it seasons now because covid really fucked us up with the year thing <laughs> yeah man, no kidding and the the exchanges that sema buys the school with an automotive program you could you have to have at least have some kind of automotive program generally schools have an automotive repair or a mechanical repair type of program which could be in some of the rural schools where it's more like farm kids so they're repairing mm -hmm. tractors and other stuff besides just cars but a mechanical solid program and or um, some schools also have a collision program, which, you know, would then do the paint body and detailing and some of that stuff. Right. So they apply and then SEMA, the, you know, the elders who are in the judging of who gets what, pick what they think the best schools are in terms of being able to complete a, a build. 
and um, they they buy these vehicles. They have been uh, Jeep Wranglers, TJs, but um, this last time when I started taking over, they were also buying um, third generation Toyota 4Runners, like 96 through, I want to say, 02 4Runners, which are yep, pretty yep. popular. And then what SEMA does is sends the vehicle to the school and over the initially before COVID, the deal was, you know, over the calendar school year, they would build that. And the building would encompass items that SEMA member companies would donate, like wheels and tires and cat skin leather interior and in some cases, electronics, uh, lighting, you know, light bars. And because these are all at this point, off-road themed. So yeah, you can yeah. see kind of, you know, a lot of that stuff has, you know, so it's bolt-on. They're not trying to break down an engine or, I mean, although some of the cars in the program have been fully painted and, you know, broken down from that level, it's only right. if really the school has that capability. Some of the cars get wrapped. Some of the cars, you know, already show up with good paint, just get polished up. Uh, so it just kind of depends on the school. Yeah, we raised a, geez, I want to say, just in the last auction round, which was last, I don't know, July, uh, five of the 10 builds that are underway um, got sold and we raised about 270 some thousand dollars, I think. And then that's awesome. Yeah. And all that money goes back to SEMA. So the school gets the experience of building it. No, of course, cost for any of the parts or anything like that. And then there's other stuff outside of the cost of or outside of the scope of uh, sponsorship, like general maintenance, like send them to a, a dealer, Jeep or Toyota dealer or an independent repair shop that's trusted that can do some like tune-ups or maintenance or whatever. If it wasn't in the scope of what the school could do right. or, you know, had time to do or whatever. So we make sure they're obviously roadworthy and, and, you know, whatever, all that stuff, emissions and all that. But, but five of them sold last, I want to say July. And then I have another five coming up pretty soon here because the school year is going to be ending shortly. Yep, and yep. so we sold three forerunners and two Jeeps last year. And then there'll be three Jeeps and two forerunners uh, this year. So a total of 10 vehicle builds over all this time that I've been managing. But um, I, I visited a lot of the schools and talked to a lot of the kids. And out of a class of, you know, 20, 20 plus kids, you know, you might see four or five that have a shine to it. And if even one or two or three of those kids are interested in something other than, you know, mechanical or suspension or turning a wrench where you're getting dirty, but maybe more like the interior stuff or wraps or tint or electronic troubleshooting or whatever, I told them all, I'm like, man, if you're even remotely interested in this, you have work ahead of you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to yes. assume a burdensome college loan. Like you can go, if you're really interested, let me hook you up with the local shop or two or three so i've connected you know like in nashville i got them connected with titan motoring uh, yes. we don't have anything in st louis unfortunately otherwise i'd be connecting with people all the time oh yeah but, yeah. but we definitely um, got you if you get one here yeah but um my point and going back to the original combo is you know the the mentality of the kids i really found that farm kids kids that grow up on a farm or large property who know how to weld already at this age and fix a tractor and, you know, fix a lawnmower and all that stuff. Like, yep. man, those kids, they already have the chops, you yes. know, and if they're interested in what we do at all, man, that's a kid I'm hiring for damn sure. Absolutely. And that's a, that leads perfect into, um, I think I talked to you about a little bit of this, maybe not 
I did a um, a rat rod build here at Rankin, which is a technical college here in St. Louis. Okay. Some friends of mine had started a thing called Wrenching for the Future. And what they do is they get something set up and go into a um, technical college, something like that, work with high school and the students and stuff like that there. And like this just did a couple months ago, but we built a complete rat rod in four and a half days, did a burnout at the end of it and everything. And I was thinking something like that would be really awesome to do, but more in the audio side, you know, or the 12 volt, you know, whether it's lighting or security or, you know, audio stuff or even the interior stuff for the vinyl wrapping and stuff. I, I literally just made a note now. I got some vinyl guys I'm going to be talking to about that too. Setting up, and honestly, I'm uh, I'm talking with the, our mutual friend, Mr. Brian Schmidt, about doing of some course, of this as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Brian we'll and I talk with- about this stuff all the time, you know, because, you know, we're not getting any younger and we've got to transfer this info to, to people, but in a way that, that they receive it, you know, in a measurable yes. way. And I think we need to get them way before they're coming to Master Tech Expo or Mobile Solutions class or whatever. Mm-hmm. We need to get them in high school. In high school. If they're, if they're yep. showing a shine to like cars at all. Because there's some kids that don't even care about cars. They'll just go, I'll just ride Uber everywhere. Yeah. You know, our, our car to care. them is like a toaster. It's an appliance. But but there's other kids who it's different for. And, I, you know, I know that it was that way for me, but that's the way it was for every kid back then. Now it's different. Like, you don't have, mm-hmm. like people, the car was the way we got out of the house to go and see our friends and be independent. Well, you can do that on your iPad now and just go to your Facebook group or, you know, whatever. Go to your bedroom and hide and sit there. Yeah. Yeah. So getting your sense of independence as a teenager doesn't necessarily have to involve leaving the property, which then doesn't necessarily involve needing a car. Not for everybody. Now, again, the more rural folk, like, you know, I just use the blanket term farm kids. Missouri. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, shit. You know, I don't have a Kroger around the corner. I got to drive for a little while to get there. So, so yep. cars and transportation are sort of more part of the vernacular. And um, damn if, you know, they're not resourceful about, you know, figuring out how to make, you know, fix them up or at least make it work. And and, and then just, again, on a large property, you got to weld a fence every now and then. You got to do something plumbing related. You got to, I mean, there's all yeah. kinds of stuff. And and I just think those kids have such a broad range of just life experience that that work ethic that they pick up or just figuring it out. I, I just, I'll figure it out. That yes. transfers, you know, into the, what will be a, well, I think an um, amazing employee if they love what they're doing in terms of whether it's car audio or just working on cars or for me is, and, and I love audio and the pursuit of audio. I'm not, although I have competed and, and all that, I was mostly supporting my customers in competition at that time. I'm right. more passionate about solving problems and the troubleshooting and the electrical stuff. And because, you know, it's, you can't see atoms move through wires. So you kind of like some of the stuff that you can come up with and do, you know, electrically is kind of like magic to people. And I love that. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's always kind of cool when you get to explain something like that. And then you see that light bulb go off. Like we're, you know, keep bringing up relays. I remember when I relays clicked for me in Florida and I'm like, Oh shit. Now I get it. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's just, there's, when one of those little things clicks, like, hey, uh, okay, oh, identify, isolate, and eliminate. It clicks that this is how I need to do this, then it's golden. But until you, you get somebody there, it's uh, it's a process to uh, to make that happen. But yes, we need to figure out a way to, which is one of the things I'm working on, like I said, we need some people 
that are going to be interested in audio yeah. again coming up and coming out of high school and get excited about this shit. Yeah. So we're getting old. God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> shit. So to that point, this uh, working and managing the SEMA vehicle, high school vehicle bill program has really been a, geez, just a great way for me to get a window into something that, you know, normally I wouldn't have that kind of access to. Yes. So I, I just, I, I ain't gonna lie. I'll be hitting you up and having a conversation about some of that stuff and what you're doing. Cause yeah. that's, that would work spectacularly yeah. with some of the stuff we're wanting to do for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's, uh, that's good. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'll, uh, I have a thing I'll tell people that say, you know, relays, I'll go, well, I'm not 30 normal. Generally I'm an 87 a, but if you're a dick, I'll be an 87. <laughs> so I'm not 30. I'm not common. Generally, you know, uh, I'm an 87 a I'm normally open, but if you're a dick, I'm normally closed, you know, like, yeah. Uh, I love that. We've got like a hundred ways to memorize the terminals and what does what and whatever. So I just find just different ways to like, however you remember it or whatever, like, you know, some people are visual that look at the relay. I mean, I just, I've known guys who could pay more for a plug that goes on a relay because they know that company's wire colors on the plug versus like, don't you just know what the pins do? Not really. Yeah, I just wire it the way that the, you know, the plug and if they, so if they had like a directed, you know, DEI Viper plug or something for a starter interrupt back in the the wired in days, and they got, you know, something else from Amp Global that would just be a different pre-wired relay plug with different colors, they would go like, well, that's not what I'm used to. Yeah. What's the difference, man? Like I get the, you know, the plug is cool for serviceability and all that stuff, but you know, you can do this without like a direct plug. You you can just wire it yourself. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've always just literally made my old plugs, made everything, fusing myself, yeah, do everything. Do. And I think that's it just adds cost for unless you have serviceability where you need to, but you're talking about service in a relay, which almost never I've had a couple of relays fail in my career, but yeah, I but mean, very I've been doing few. this a while, Brandon. I'm talking about two or three relays. Yeah, I've maybe had I can count yeah. them on one hand easily. Well, yes. I'm talking about two or three of the the, the good branded relays. There's yeah, yes. of, like cheap harbor freight shit that, that breaks, but that's not what I'm using. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I don't buy that shit anyway. Harbor Freight has a couple things that are useful to use. Relays yeah, but not, are not, not electrical, um, like, no. you know, like the lighting kit at Harbor Freight for fog lights. Like, don't use that relay. Use the lights. Just don't use the, like, buy a better relay. No, <laughs> yes. I, I'm totally a fan of Harbor Freight for the things, like the tools that I'll use very little but need. Or, like, I mean, I, we buy their spray guns all the time for upholstery glue. Oh, yeah, I use the shit out of those. Yeah, but, I mean just electrical or, you know, stuff like that. If you're going to depend on their relays, like, Oh no, 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 no. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Some things do. Disposables. Yeah. I tell you what, their, uh, their unibits are probably some of the best ones I've ever found. Yeah. They work. fabulous. It's like a three or four pack kit. And one of them goes all the way up to one inch and damn, those things will last you a while, you know? Yeah. Even if I got to buy, buy one pack and burn through it because we're, Building some truck bed or something. Oh yeah, where you know you're gonna be burning metal. Oh yeah, when we're going through some some thick shit or something, I'm like, screw it, burn it up. They're 15, 25 bucks, whatever a pack. Yeah. It doesn't matter because it's better than a seventy, eighty, hundred dollar for one bit that I'm yeah. still gonna burn the fuck up. <laughs> right, right. So some of that disposable stuff is perfect. Some of it is, yeah, uh, yeah, like you said, stay the fuck away from it. Yeah, and I would say to somebody new in the business 
today that there are some of their toolboxes are pretty nice now. Oh yeah. Some of their tool carts for sure. Some of their open closed in, you know, combo wrenches and socket sets are pretty good. Like buy the snap on stuff and specialty tools and the yes. really unique stuff. But I mean, if you just a wrench is, you know, kind of a wrench if it's well made. And some of their stuff is pretty good. And by the way, you know, they have different, you know, levels of branding now. And some of their best yes. stuff is it's no longer cheap shit. It's no longer cheap shit in quality. It's no longer cheap shit in price. Yeah. You know? And and like my personal stuff, I've always felt, and don't get me wrong, I love the snap-on stuff. I love their their toolboxes and all their stuff. So I'm absolutely well, we not knocking. We're so, we're so vested in it now, you know? Yeah. But me personally, I, I feel like, you know what, I'm not rolling across a broken floor working on a big-ass diesel truck, whatever. It's going to sit in the corner. I, I bought me Craftsman toolboxes to hold my tools. That's literally works great for me. Would I love to get a nice, big, badass snap-on box? Sure. But it's not something I need. Um, but like for the boxes here at the shops, just for our general stuff and whatever, I, I bought six or eight, uh, seven or eight uh, the Harbor Freight ones. Yeah. It, they sit there. They don't move. You know, the drawers are still open and closed. I mean, that's all it's got to do. So, hey, man, all the good ones have drawer, nice drawer slides now. And, you know, yeah. drawers. some of them even like I've got an old ass snap on box from 20 years ago. that's six feet tall and six feet wide. And it's awesome. And I've got it full. But but it doesn't have like a power station to plug in my you know, cordless drill batteries or anything like that. Yeah, that's a separate deal. A lot of the new shit has that. Yes. You know, a drawer where you can do that. And just some other like thoughtfully creative stuff that just wasn't around back then. But, you know, I, I agree. There's tool storage. I mean, it's, I think it also depends on the presentation of your shop, how it's going to look the part and whatever. So I already made my investment in this big old snap-on toolbox. It's it, it's just like a home that you buy where you go, this is my forever home. That's my forever yes. toolbox. If I had to do it all over, the money that I spent on that, I should have got maybe some more tools, you know, <laughs> earlier on. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. I, then, I, I, I ain't gonna lie. At some point, I'll I'll get a nice step on. All right, we're <laughs> out. We're we will out. see everybody uh, next week, probably, most likely. Thank you for tuning into the Business Cars and Cigars podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. 